reading is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meonites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazizon Tamar, that is, Engedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this, this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Betaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. 
As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Zair, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Zair to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Well done. Well read, both of you, and beautiful prayers as well, David. Thank you so much to everybody. Uh, do you ever have one of those days where you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I just want to stay in bed? <laughs> just occasionally. Uh, and uh, you would pull the duvet over you and you hope all the things you've got that day, you think, oh, maybe it'll just go away. You ever feel like that? Does it go away? No, no it's still there when you get up. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you do have to get up eventually. And uh, sometimes life can be overwhelming. Sometimes you can feel like you can't cope. But let's learn from this amazing King Jehoshaphat. Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When you feel overwhelmed, put your eyes on God. When you don't know what to do, when you really would rather stay in bed and let the duvet cover you, fix your eyes on the Lord. So this month is the second anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. And uh, I don't know that President uh, Zelensky knew what he was taking on when he went from being a comic actor to being the president of Ukraine. 
Do you know that if you watch Paddington in Ukrainian um, and hear the dubbed voice, he is the voice of Paddington. In Paddington 1 and Paddington 2, they're great films. Uh, that was what he was doing before he was president, and now he's faced a vast army of Russian soldiers, the Russian army for these last two years. Would you want his job? Would you want to be in that situation? How tough is that? Well, Jehoshaphat's in a similar situation. A vast army from the nations uh, neighbouring to Judah are, have come against him. It's the Ammonites and the Moabites, and they've come to wage war. Now, why do people go to war? Do you think, why? Why do they do it? We don't always understand. I remember thinking that when Russia invaded Ukraine. Why? And then two years later, all that tragic loss of life and, and, and the country and, and all that money wasted. Why? And we don't have an answer why in this passage, but we do know that a vast army is coming. And maybe Jehoshaphat felt like staying in bed and pulling the duvet over his head and hoping they'd go away. We're told here he was alarmed. I can't really blame him, can we? Perfectly natural, perfectly human. You know when someone says, it's fine, this too shall pass, all will be well. Really? <laughs> we have often a very human reaction. And he had a natural reaction of alarm, panic. Oh my goodness, this is not what I fancied dealing with today. I didn't really want to be facing up to this situation, but he had to. Now, when we panic, when we are alarmed, when we face a challenge, what do we do? What do I do? I wonder whether we've developed uh, a prayer reflex. Do we go to God? Or is prayer our last resort? You know, I sometimes uh, uh, ask people, would you like me to pray for them? And they say, oh no, don't pray for me, pray for all the others. Their needs are greater. And I understand that sentiment, and it's a worthy sentiment, but it's almost as if saying, God's too busy with all the other stuff. I'll sort myself out, thank you very much. And we can have that kind of feeling that, well, God has a lot to, on his plate. Don't worry, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. And that works until it doesn't. We realise we should have turned to prayer in the first place. We should have come to God on our knees saying, Lord, help me. And Jehoshaphat is someone who has learned to have a prayer reflex, to come to God as his first port of call, not as a last resort. He resolves to inquire of the Lord. Now, Chris mentioned New Year's resolutions last week, and I'm sure they're all forgotten, long forgotten by now. Uh, but a re resolution is something we decide to do. It's a choice we make. It's not something we feel like doing. It's not something we necessarily think, I really, really, really want to do this. It's just a choice we make. And there are going to be those days where we need to hang on to that resolution because we don't feel like it. And Jehoshaphat, did he really feel like doing this? No, but he was resolved to seek the Lord, to inquire of the Lord. When he's faced with a practical problem, his answer is a spiritual one. I wondered, can we learn anything from that? Sometimes we think we need to 
deal practically and go straight to the practical. But he goes, no, he, he goes to God. He comes to the Lord first. Now he knows it's not just a me problem. It's not something just that he has to deal with. It's facing the whole nation. So he proclaims a fast for all of Judah. Now by this time the kingdoms have divided. The northern kingdom is Israel and the southern kingdom is, is Judah. And Judah is the one under attack. And uh, <clears throat> he proclaims a fast. You know, sometimes we have that reaction of, is it fight? What do we say? Freeze, flight, flight. Fight, flight, different reactions. We can also fast, that's another F. <laughs> and uh, fasting is a response that says, Lord, we need to get serious about this. Lord, uh, I'm going to fast from food. Uh, and what that does for us is it clears the airwaves between us and God. Sometimes there's interference, basically on our side, not on God's. But nonetheless, a fast can help us uh, connect with God. It's connected to prayer. Uh, you know, there are diet people now recommending fasting as a good idea. And we can say, well, we knew that all along. <laughs> it's good for your health as well, just in case you want to lose some weight. But uh, he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And they're all in. They know it's the thing they've got to do together. You know, I, I, I love church because it's, it's one of the things where we... We know we're in this together. We're, we're a team. We're in it together. We, we know that we've all signed up for this. We're a church family. And when you've got a problem, I've got a problem. When you're rejoicing, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing with Daff and Dave and Roy that they're back with us this morning. It's great to have you with us. And, uh, you know, we're in this together. The whole people of Judah were in this together as they faced this vast army. They came together to seek help from the Lord. And every town in Judah, in fact, got together. Read later, actually, in verse 13, that we're told that as they worshipped together, all of them, not just, just uh, the adults, which was the men, the wives, the children, the little ones, they all stand before the Lord. Whole family of God, all seeking him. And then as they gathered, Jehoshaphat stands to pray. And you know when you're praying, and when you pray out loud in public, God hears, but also others do. And I, I, when someone like David comes up and prays, we're all joining in together, but one person is being led by the Spirit to, to, to pray. And we can all say amen, uh, but it's a public prayer, isn't it? And Jehoshaphat's prayer reminds God of who he is and what he's done. Now, I don't think God has forgotten who he is or what he's done. He knows what he's done for his people. But it helps us to remind God. <laughs> that prayer really is for our benefit. It helps us to remind ourselves of what, who God is and what he's done. Lord, you are the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Yes, you are. You rule. Power and might are in your hand remembers the sovereignty of God. And Lord, did you not give us this land? And yet these people have come, and they've come in to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. And he states the truth. 
How many people are surprised when leaders tell lies? It's not that surprising anymore, is it? We almost expect our leaders to kind of at least play with the truth a little bit. But Jehoshaphat is different. He's someone who actually tells it like it is. He says, in front of his people, we have no power to face this vast army. He doesn't say, guys, it's looking good. (laughs) Don't worry, I've got a plan. Got it up my sleeve, all is well, panic not. No, he says, we have no power to face this vast army. Speaking the truth vulnerably is powerful. Being honest. He's in uncharted territory. I don't think that President Zelensky, he must have had moments where he thought, we do not know what to do when we're facing this vast army coming towards us. He speaks the truth. But the trump card that King Jehoshaphat has is he says this, our eyes are on you. And that's all the difference. We have the same trump card. Our eyes are on God. What are you looking at? Now, in the physical realm, of course, we look at what's right in front of our eyes. And some of us need glasses and some of us don't. But in our hearts, where are we turning? When we're at work and someone's really annoying us, do we look at them? And do we look at them? And do we look at them? And then they just annoy us all the more. When we're facing a financial challenge or a health problem, do we just focus on the problem, the problem, the problem? It's human nature, isn't it? But the trump card that we have is like, no, my eyes are on you, Lord, because you're bigger than this. I can't think of anything worse than facing a vast army coming towards you with the intent of wiping you out. But our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He sets the tone of openness and vulnerability and worship and looking to God and not to himself. Now I hope and pray that we can set that tone in this church as well. That we don't look to ourselves. That we don't say, oh, well, you know, Dan's got to have all the answers. Trust me, that's a bad, bad, bad decision if that's where you want to go. We look to God. Our eyes are on you. And we worship him. Now, some things come out of that assembly as they're worshiping. First thing that comes is somebody speaks up and we're told that the Spirit of God comes on him. Now, this, we said last week, Holy Spirit is in us at all times, all places. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in heaven. We don't walk out of church and lose the Holy Spirit. He's always in us and with us. But there may be times when we sense the Holy Spirit on us for certain tasks. And, and certainly that was the case in the Old Testament. Since Pentecost, he's with us all the time. But, you know, the Spirit anoints us for certain callings. Jennifer is anointed by God for her calling in Paddock Wood. You're anointed. And it doesn't mean it has to be a church thing. It can be very much a, what looks like a secular thing. But God has called you. God has anointed you 
for, your, for, 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 for works he's prepared in advance for you to do. Well, this person here, um, Jehaziel, speaks out a word from God because the Holy Spirit inspires him. And he, he declares it to the whole assembly, declares it to the king. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It is a vast army. Call it what it is. But the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. You don't have to fight this battle. God will fight this battle. Now we're not, thankfully, in a time of war in our nation. But it's always true to say that we're in a spiritual battle, aren't we? And sometimes we say that. There is a spiritual battle, and there is. Now we're on the winning side. Jesus has won the victory on the cross. He rose from the dead. The victory is Jesus's and ours through him. But the battle continues. We know the outcome, and yet war continues in the spiritual realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. We know that. But the battle is not ours to fight. It's the Lord's. Now, does that therefore mean, well, we don't have to do anything. All we need to do is stay at home under the duvet. <laughs> Actually, we've still got to get out and do our bit. And I find this a really fascinating insight from this passage because what happens is this prophet speaks and says, the battle isn't yours. You don't need to worry about it. God's going to win this for you. And yet, you need still to take up your position. You'll need to still stand firm and get out there. You know, God equips us and empowers us when we go for him. We say, Lord, I'm, I, I'll be a witness for you, but you know, I won't go until I'm equipped. But it's in the going that God equips us. It's in the stepping out and taking a risk that God will say, here you go, here's what you need. I bless Jennifer because she is taking a risk. She's stepping out. And I bless you because I know lots of people stepping out and taking risks. It's not always visible to everybody else. God, it's in the going that God equips us. So Jehoshaphat responds with worship. Bows down. And again, his leadership leads all the people to fall down in worship before the Lord. And then it would seem spontaneously, some Levites, they, they stand up and they praise the Lord with a very loud voice. You know, I love the fact that in this church, God gives people prophetic words. God inspires people to share. Just last week, I was, was getting towards the end of the service, and then suddenly Chris was here, and he shared. And then there was a couple other people. And that was awesome. And God is leading different people in different ways in this church. Leads some people in music to, to lead us. But it may be that you have a song on your heart. There's a certain, um, when the spirit is moving, there can be real freedom. And it's not all led necessarily from the front. Different people can share in different ways. And Jehoshaphat is encouraged. He's empowered. So then the next morning, early in the morning, he gets up and everybody else with him 
and they go and they take up their position. And Jehoshaphat has been encouraged by the prophetic word, by the worship, by the times of prayer. And he says to his people, have faith in the Lord and also have faith in his prophets. Have faith and you will be successful. Now, I don't know whether Winston Churchill during World War II said, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to get everyone singing. I do know that the king called for National Day of Prayer. And then this is a similar situation here. But Jehoshaphat here, after consulting the people, he appoints people to sing to the Lord and to praise him as they go forward. At the, and, and this praise is at the head of the army. And they sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. There's a song we've sung recently, and it says, uh, my weapon is a melody. Why do we sing? Do we sing because we've all got amazing voices? Some of us really haven't. Sorry. But you've got to grit your teeth and just say, it's not about a tuneful noise to the Lord, it's a joyful noise to the Lord. Why do we sing? Do you know what? When God's people come together, what always happens? We always sing. It's an age-old thing. We do it because there's something powerful about bringing ourselves to God in worship. The atmosphere changes when we praise God. When we speak out our worship through song and and. You know, some people say, oh, I don't like to sing. Well, you know, we still do it. It's a sacrifice of praise. You might not like all the songs, but it's a sacrifice of praise. It changes the atmosphere, and it's powerful. And get this, as they begin to sing and praise, this is verse 22 of this passage, what happens? The Lord fights the battle for them. The Lord sets the ambush for the enemies. It's as they worship, God takes care of it. You might just think, oh, here we go, singing a few old songs again. We're actually seeing a change in the spiritual atmosphere when we worship. It helps us fix our eyes, not on our problems, but on God. And it does something in the heavenly realms as we worship. There's a song and nothing in the eight. Every prayer a powerful weapon. Strongholds come tumbling down, tumbling down. Step by step we're moving forward. There is a spiritual battle. Our way of waging that battle is not to look at the problem or look at the enemy, but to look to God. And that's how this battle is won. They don't have to lift a finger. They don't wage war at all. There's lots of bloodshed, but it's the enemy fighting among themselves. And the people of God don't even have to do anything. They just trust him, have faith in him. So today, whatever you might be facing, I want to say have faith in him. Put your eyes on him. And sometimes it can be just those little tweaks in the middle of the day. Just call myself aside for a coffee in the middle of my busy day 
and that little tweak where I just sort of turn my eyes towards him. Might not be that dramatic, actually. It's just a little choice you make at four o'clock on a Tuesday. I'm just going to turn my eyes to you for a moment, Lord. I've been struggling too hard in my own strength. I've been striving here. Lord, help me lift my eyes to you. You might not have time to spend four hours singing songs and worshipping at home. If you do, fantastic. But if that time is not available to you, just take a moment aside to say, Lord, I'm going to choose to look to you. And the more we do it, it just becomes a reflex. Do you know, I'm going to tell you something personal. When I brush my teeth, I've got an electric toothbrush, and it gives me 30 seconds to brush here. And then when it goes, it goes like this. It, it, I can change, yeah? Has anyone else got a toothbrush like that? So I, I, it means I do all bits of my mouth. I do clean my teeth properly. Well, of late, what I've decided to do is when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm standing on one leg. And the reason is to do that is because it's actually good for your balance to learn to stand on one leg. Yeah? And uh, so, and then when the buzzer goes, I switch to the other leg. Sad but true. <laughs> and then, but when I first started doing it, Tanya would walk in and be like, oh, I've been falling over. Now, I'm, I'm, if I shut my eyes, then I've got problems. Don't do that. But I can stand on one leg for 30 seconds. At first, it felt really like, ugh. And I had to remind myself to do it. Now, I just do it without thinking. Standing there on one leg, brushing my teeth. I do brush my teeth twice a day. So that's not bad, is it? We develop habits, hopefully good ones, and they can become second nature once we develop them. Take, I think it takes about six weeks. But once you've done it, it just becomes like second nature. And if you can develop that habit of prayer, that reflex of prayer, and please, 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 there are no rules. Do, it, do what works for you. Choose whatever time of day works for you. There's no time like that God always get really pleased with you if you pray for 20 minutes, but 10 minutes, oh, God's still frowning. No, no, no. You might, just, just do what works for you. And it might be a case of, I'm just going to take a moment aside in the day. We're all different, and I think that's wonderful. But put our eyes on God. And especially when you don't know what you're doing. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Let's pray. Thank you for this routine that we have to gather together on Sunday mornings, Father. To come to you and to worship you. We don't see what's happening a lot of the time, but we know that as we worship, as we praise, Pembry changes. Our situations change. Perspectives are transformed. Problems are put in their place as we praise you and as we worship you, Lord. Lord, for those of us Facing challenges where we would rather just stay in bed. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to have faith, not in ourselves, but in you. 
Help us to develop a reflex to just trust you, to turn to you. We bless you and praise you. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you are good and that your love endures forever. Hallelujah. I'm just going to leave a, a moment of pause in his presence. Just choose to give your heart to him. If there's something weighing you, you down, just, just deposit that at his feet. Give that problem over to him. Let him take control. God does care about your situation. He does want to minister in your life. He does want to transform things for you. He want to take things out of your hands so that he can transform them for you. Bless you, Father. Our eyes are on you right now. Our hope is in you. And our faith is in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Kim, would you come and play, please? It's okay not to know what to do. You don't have to have all the answers. He does. You just come to him. I invite you to stand if you're able. Let's give our hearts.